Great news. Side Retired is now partnered with SeedGeek. For all ticketing needs, go to SeedGeek.com and use promo code SIDERETIREDPOD in all capitals for $20 off your first order. We've got you covered from all things ranging from sporting events to concerts, including the NFL and NHL. Yes, this means we're officially taking you out to the ballgame. And now for today's edition of Side Retired Podcast. Christmas week, holiday week, some fun lists coming out for you on some great episodes of Side Retired, the only podcast. It is Dylan joined alongside Jack, as always. And today, if you've been a loyal listener with us for the past year, you remember that last year we did a position by position breakdown of each of the 10 or 11 positions across Major League Baseball, starting off with the catchers. And we're planning on doing the same thing again this offseason leading up to opening day and to spring training. We're going to give you today's episode is all catcher specific. But before we get into that, Jack, how are you feeling? You probably have like two, three days left before winter break. Yes. And um, it seems like hopefully the free agent market is getting very depleted. Saw Justin Turnell, Michael Brantley, J.D. Martinez, some older guys signed some short-term contracts. So it seems, you know, with just Michael Conforto and Brandon Drury left, there's not really much left for teams to do on the free agent side. So as we shift to the trade market, you know, Sean Murphy's already been moved. There's been some talks, you know, there are some of the huge, very unlikely light, uh, lightning in a bottle type players like Fernando Tatis or Corbin Burns have any shot of being moved. Fingers crossed, you know, that'd be huge, huge headlines as and otherwise it really helps nothing else left until until uh pitchers and catchers report so you know baseball fans uh just treasure your moves now and from now on you know as several teams have made new homes for their the previous unemployed players it's time for us to start ranking them so i uh, get good way to get that underway uh today with the catchers and of course that means we're kill- we're still going to keep going with our three episodes per week as we've been doing throughout the off season however that now we're sort of going to lock in we're going to have one positional breakdown this week's it's catcher next week it's first base and continue on until opening day we will continue to have one interview episode per week this week we have a bbwaa writer coming on to reveal his hall of fame ballot with us that should be out wednesday morning he'll take us through the process of what it's like to vote so if you're interested in that sort of thing definitely check out wednesday's episode and then we'll of course continue to do our normal if there's a breaking news breaking transaction anything of that sort we will of course give you the immediate reaction as well as a weekly recap sort of episode so the catcher position we will start off by saying last year we were all heavy and in on Yasmani Grandal he was Jack's number one he was my number three and well he made neither of our lists this year so Jack we're going to start the conversation off with a guy that missed both of our lists if you want to take us through you were so high on Yasmani Grandal and he's severely disappointed in 2022 to the point that he's been left off of both of our lists so talk us through what's up with Yasmani Grandal Rondal had a very short 2021, just given the amount of injuries. But in the games he did play, he was fantastic. And well, he had a performance that warranted me putting him on number one, a 158 OPS plus and, and WRC plus, a 3.6 war in just 93 games, which is outstanding. And uh, both an expected and tangible Wobas over 400. So certainly the basis for a very strong offensive player while still providing defense defensively. Um, obviously, he's a very swing and miss heavy guy, um, kind of like the Joey Gallo architect, high walks, high strikeouts, not a ton of balls in play, low batting average, 240 last year. This past season dropped 40 points on the average side, 
both the expected and well, uh, expected and you know result based wobas dropped below two hundred, and then that resulted to it for a sixty eight, also forty known as like forty percent uh, worse than league average offensively and a negative war, which is why I left them off my list. You left them off yours. Um, I'd still say, you know, concluded in the top 20, maybe around 15, slightly below, but, you know, he's projected to be a better than league average and have a bounce back season just because he does hit the ball so hard. His chase rates and um, zone contact rates didn't vary too much from this past season. So he does have that like foundation to potentially reach, you know, being back to the productive player he was. But that outstanding season we saw him have in 2021, it seems like that is a thing of the past. And if the White Sox want to have a bounce back here, he's going to have to be a huge, huge part of that. So now take us through who actually made your list. You'll go 10 through one, then I'll reveal my 10 through one. And basically, then we'll get into our, the head-to-head arguments going through individual specific players. But give our listeners a breakthrough of what your thought process was going through this position as a whole. And then I'll do the same and just sort of recap and put a basis of where we are. So for to, for my bottom half, my last two, I have former Texas Ranger teammates, Joe, uh, Jose Trevino at nine and Jonah Heim at 10. Those guys are two of, if not the best uh, defensive catchers in the league. Trevino is by far and wide the best defensive league last year. He was the platinum glove winner and the gold glove winner for the catcher position, which is why despite his poor offensive uh, performance about league average for catchers, um, I had him on just nine at my list. I think those guys are certainly have drawn comparisons before. Um, you know, you're not going to get expects out of them offensively, but defensively, as I mentioned, outstanding. Number eight, I have rookie Francisco Alvarez. It's not made certain whether or not he's going to be on the opening day roster just because he is having recovery surgery. But with that being said, if he's playing catcher, despite his poor defensive attributes, his bat alone, how he projects as a hitter is going to be about like 20% better than league average. It was he walks very well. He has a good um, good eye at the plate. And then he also just hits the bejesus out of the ball, making excellent hard contact and Mets fans. You know, I think several people were kind of hesitant just at the first because I know several people, myself included, have him in their top 10 for catchers. Um, I think it's still it's worth, you know, his performance while not yet a very brief major league career. He's going to be good and he's looking like the bat is going to translate very well, either at that that catcher where it's, you know, despite no or very poor defense, that bat is going to outweigh the, uh, the rest of his attributes. Then rounding out the rest of my top 10, I have Wilson Contreras at seven, Paul Riley at six, Will Smith at five, JT Romuto at four, Sean Murphy at three, Alejandro Kirk, more of a controversial one I'll get into. And then number one, I have Adley Rutschman, despite, you know, similar to Alvarez, while he's not entering his first season, he just had it. And a rookie, a rookie of the year runner up finisher. Um, Adley was the best catcher last year. I think we'll, we'll probably dive into it now with a bit more of a discussion. But, you know, I think some people kind of undervalue the production rookies or sophomores um, going into a season can provide. I remember 2017, I was rather astounded. MLB Network had Aaron Judge like 17th. I forget the exact ranking um, best player in Major League Baseball. Just given this previous season he had, his hard, his hard contact, his walk rates, it seemed like while Judge might not repeat the season he just did, while well, he did, you know, surpass it in 2022, you know, in 2018, 2019, he showed he is still like a top 10 player, how he had that level of production. And it, they couldn't have just made that assumption. Someone like Rushman, we have draft scouting reports. We have years of minor league service time. We have the basis for the foundation of what type, what kind of hit tool he has. His overall athleticism behind the plate. He runs the bases exceptionally well. He has the chase and um, zone contact rates to, to provide a strong offensive foundation that is going to be the basis, you know, for being a franchise player for the Baltimore Orioles. So I guess we'll go into it now. You had him at two. I have him at one. Um, 
you know, I'm assuming you're what in the same room of thinking you want another year left for uh, to move Rutschman up. I think the situation is that JT Realmuto is the type of catcher, and spoiler, I do have Realmuto as my number one and Rushman's number two, and I'll get into my full list a little bit later. But basically, if there wasn't a JT Realmuto at this position, who's a guy that's been consistently number one, I went back and checked. I've had him as my number one for three consecutive seasons, and he did nothing last season that basically lost him that title. Rushman did a really good job in this rookie season. I know former number one overall draft pick top prospect in the Orioles system as well as in all of Major League Baseball, which is especially rare for a catcher. I know it's drawn comparisons to a switch-hitting type Buster Posey franchise type of player. And with Adley Rushman, I fully believe, and we'll get to a couple other lists that some of our listeners submitted, where they said they just want to see another year of Rushman, and that's why they had him around the 7 to 10 range, which I think personally is a little bit too low. Now, you could, if this were a position like right field, where there's Judge, there's Betts, there's Harper, there's all these stacked Soto, Acuna, the list goes on and on. You could see why, oh, I guess a rookie can fall that low. But Adley Rushman last year, I don't think it's that hard to say that last year might be his floor. Maybe that's a little bit too ambitious, but I think Adley Rushman proved last year he can run, he can hit, he can field, he's going to throw runners out, he's going to hit for pop. I know that Camden Yards is pretty disgusting for hitters considering what that left field looks like now but I think Rushman proved last year is his floor which means he's only going to continue to get better and while I think you could argue that JT Realmuto had a better slash worse season in comparison I don't know if you want to draw up uh, or if you can get those statistics up of Realmuto's 2022 versus Rushman's 2022 they ended up being pretty similar players uh, Rushman I think overall had slightly better numbers of the two if you're going to compare them but I think just because Realmuto has proven that he's done this type of production, I think, now every year since 2017, 2018. I do want to see one more year of Adley Rushman, but at the same time, I need to see Real Muto fall off a little bit before I'm able to move him down because he's proven that I know for a fact I'm going into this year for sure getting this amount of production out of Real Muto versus with Rushman. There's definitely a world where he outproduces Real Muto by a lot, but it's also not going to be the case where Real Muto is going to fall off a cliff type of thing. I'm just going into that, like that stats jive you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, Real Muto and Rutschman this past season were the one and two among the catchers in terms of war, just in comp- uh, you know, compensating for defense, base running, and offensive production. Both of them were by far the best two base running catchers. Um, both have provided uh, plus plus speed for the position. Um, then defensively, they were kind of similar. Um, you know, both mac out as better than league average defenders. But then their bats were also very similar, where Rutschman was slightly better at 128 versus 133 uh, WRC plus. And then in terms of you know just uh, average, uh, Real Muto uh, edged them out by 20 points. But the, the the key distinction here is that while they you know uh, Real Muto was a full win better than uh, than Rutschman was, Rutschman only played 113 games, and that's you know I think commonly um, people applaud Real Muto for playing the full 140 behind the dish. But Rutschman wasn't playing the 113 because of load management, because of injuries. He was playing the 113 because he was in the minor leagues for the first couple months of the season. So if Rutschman is now getting a full full year's worth of production, he's certainly going to be on, you know, he's already on par of a season last year with um, with Romuto. If you give him a full season, I think he certainly has the making to be one, the best catcher in baseball. Um, Fangraphs projects him to have a 6-4 season, and that would lead all catchers. Um, Romuto also, I think it's worth noting, that while he did have, you know, they both have similar uh, projected and tangible stats. So those guys should um, go out next year and, uh, and perform well. But, you know, I, I do I think that is 
Um, you know, I had Romeo at about four. I think these top three, four guys are very, very close. Um, then I guess my second choice, so I'll, I'll go into now. And I'll just, uh, can I quickly first. jump in quickly? Yeah. Say, you're going to, as we do a lot of these different positions, you will see us get heated. And obviously once James is back, there's going to be, certainly I can't wait for the Garrett Cole episode, which is going to happen at some point. Catcher is not like Rushman and Real Muto. I don't think Jack is going to call me an idiot for putting Real Muto at number one. And neither am I going to criticize Jack for putting Rushman at number one. These are two very solid options out there. But now I do want to hear because I do have Kirk pretty low on my list in comparison to yours. So your thoughts on how Alejandro Kirk sneaks in at number two at the catcher position. So right now it's kind of hard to see where they're because projection wise, Kirk is said to be the number three catcher for 2023, according to fan graphs. Uh, oh, no, sorry. That's, he is according next year. He's the uh, yeah the number three projection for next year. This past season, he was ranked seventh in WAR. I think partially as his Danny Jansen, his backup, um, took some time away from them. They split. You know, he also had the DH at sometimes. Kirk has been one of one of the most underrated catchers in the entire game last year. Even defensively, he ranked fourth among all catchers in uh, in framing runs, despite having less than uh, two thousand pitches where all of his counterparts ranked closer than the people, you know, who ranked ahead of him, Jonah Heim, uh, Travis Darnell, Jose Trevino, were both upwards of 2,700, and while he had less than 2,000. So certainly just shows you how good of a defender he can be in terms of stealing strikes. And then offensively, um, Kirk had a very, very sound, uh, had a very, very sound season. And, his, you know, he had a, a 365 Woba, and, you know, he has the bakings for being a very lethal Offense, oh, sorry, that's he's projected at a 365 Woba, and then his is tangible and expected for last year. We're sat around the 350 range, so certainly the basis for a very strong offensive profile. In addition to which, he hit 385, had 14 homers, and he should see more with an increase in plate appearances. A very hard, con- consistent, hard contact for the catcher position. I just think you know you see Jansen. Um, well, maybe you know you can make the argument that they're going to have a platoon. Then you might not see Kirk reach this full potential where he is. Um, one of the you know a top three catcher in baseball, but just given the fact that the Blue Jays have floated Jansen as a trade chip, and you know if they're going to try to pursue a market in which they get back on par, you get, the Yankees just signed Rodon. The Blue Jays want to get back up, compete for the AL East, which they were favored to win this past season and did not. I think Jansen is a great way for them to use and cash out on the position that they currently are ranked as the most depth and the the most highest accumulated WAR for 2023 for the Blue Jays. They lead all Major League Baseball in the catcher position. Also, something of note with Kirk, he had a BABIP of 299 last year. That's considered like a, a fluctuation of luck. Um, he should, you know, um, lots of that with the, the shift going away and just overall um, regression of the mean that you should see that have some positive regression next year. So where he's going to have more balls drop, um, some unlucky things um, could go, also go his way. So sure, even a boost, you know, he had a 129 WRC plus um, to, uh, uh, slash OPS plus which ranked uh, sixth among all catchers. And I consider that he's going to be much higher, especially considering some guys like Tyler Stevenson, um, William Contreras, you should see those guys regress. And uh, Kirk, you know, just, I guess, to sum it up would be, he is, you know, if you just took one guy who's going to get a full season production, I think you can, Kirk is without a doubt a top three player on this list. Better of how is Jansen's playtime going to affect it? I see now, I think really Kirk is going to take a step up and really take the reins while Jansen might either get traded or just have to become the backup to a guy who's going to be a founding piece for the Blue Jays' comeback 2023 season. I think the whole Blue Jays situation is really interesting because both of Jansen and Kirk could be really solid, potentially even borderline top 10. Both of them, I know Kirk, we both had in our top 10. Jansen, 
I don't think we fit. You had him as your 11. I had him around 12 or 13. They're both really talented players. The Blue Jays also have the situation that their number one prospect last year, Gabriel Moreno, is also a catcher. So it begs the question of even if they trade Danny Jansen, how much time do they want to give uh, Moreno at catcher versus Kirk switches over to DH? And then we run into the question that we had with Alvarez as well as William Contreras of what happens if you're just a purely DH and you lose all uh, fielding-wise, because I assume if the Blue Jays were to put Kirk and Moreno in their lineup, they're going to want to put the young catcher who they see probably as the foreseeable future. They're going to want Moreno to play the catcher position more often than Kirk in those situations. But I do think a Danny Jansen trade probably would make me move Kirk more up my list. He is the reigning silver slugger. He started the All-Star game. He's got all the intangibles. He can hit. He can field. He's a very solid. I know everyone makes fun of him, sort of like Mets fans do with Daniel Vogelbach running. It's like, oh, when Kirk was getting good at the beginning of the season, everyone's like, oh, look at the cute fat guy running around the bases. And then it was like, oh, wait, this guy can actually hit as well. Kirk is an interesting player. I'd love to see more clarity with the catching switch in situation in Toronto before getting to actually Kirk uh, moving him up higher on my list. I will also point out, though, the rest of my list, since I haven't ran through that yet, Real Muto 1, Rushman 2, as we've discussed. I have Will Smith as 3, and Wilson Contreras as 4. Those guys are really solid catchers. They tend to be in the top 10 for the last couple of seasons. I have them a little bit higher than Jack, sort of on that similar uh, comparison to Real Muto, in that it's more they haven't proven anything to prove that they should be lower on the list. Will Smith, the only thing I will say about Will Smith is the Dodgers lineup is getting significantly weaker this season in comparison to years past. And I know you're going to say, oh, the lineup shouldn't affect how you rank a player. But this means Will Smith is likely getting moved into the four spot in the Dodgers order, which means he's going to get pitched around more often. And as a result of that, we're either going to see Will Smith become more patient, his walk rate will go up, his on-base will go up, or we could see a young hitter in Will Smith start to chase more, which will lead to weak contact, which will lead to him um, potentially having a down season in 2023. So I know that we don't like to say, oh, just because the Dodgers lost X player means Will, uh, means Will Smith is going to struggle. It's going to be the first season where the Dodgers, they lost Justin Turner, they lost Cody Ballinger, they lost Trey Turner. Will Smith is now probably the guy in that order that you're going to rely on besides Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. But Will Smith is now the third guy that has to step in as the three or four hitter. And it's going to be a huge test for Will Smith to see if he's actually going to be that star caliber catcher. And I could, I could, I know he said Rushman could be the number one player. I wouldn't be surprised if Will Smith has the cleanup hitter for the Los Angeles Dodgers challenges Rushman as well for that number one slot. I'll quickly go through the rest of my list before I turn to you to talk on Will Smith as well. I have Sean Murphy, five, Tyler Stevenson, six, Sal Perez, seven, Cal Raleigh, eight. William Contreras now of the Brewers 9 and Alejandro Kirk at 10. And I would also like to give a shout out to Bo Naylor of the Cleveland Guardians. I really wanted to fit him in to this top 10. He's been raking in the minor leagues throughout his whole career. It's just the same situation that we have in Toronto is that the Guardians just signed Mike Zunino to be their starting catcher. Not that Zunino is a worldwide buster and he's going to be the type of player that'll stop Naylor from playing. But it does seem like at the beginning of the year, the Guardians, who have a very low payroll, they didn't just sign Mike Zunino for $6 million to be a backup. It seems like he will at least get the start at the beginning of the year, which means Naylor will get less appearances. But Naylor's the type of player, maybe he comes up in July or August. He's going to perform really well, like we saw with Gary Sanchez, his rookie season, and put on a display that I think in 2024, Bo Naylor, if I had to break a guy that will be breaking into the list, I think Bo Naylor is that type of player, which could happen. But now if you want to get into your sort of second tier of guys we discussed 
Real Muto already, but how about you want to talk about Sean Murphy, Will Smith, and Kyle Raleigh, and how you sort of broke down those three players in the middle and your three to six range on your list? Um, yeah, I have. I think right now um, my three, four, five are kind of a tier higher than Raleigh. Um, these guys, I'd say they're in the realm with Kirk as well. They're just overall the, the top offensive ca- top catchers overall. You know, when you think of the major league baseball's best, you know, cream of the crop, you know, guys behind the dish, it's these guys. You know, Sean Murphy. Um, J.D. Romero, Will Smith, uh, Adley Rutschman, Alejandro Kirk. I think those guys being the top five is certainly that I would say that's like kind of the benchmark. Then you have kind of like a sub tier um, among the top, the you know, the bottom half of that top one. Um, Sean Murphy now just traded to the Atlanta Braves. Um, I expect an imminent contract att- extension attempts on the uh, on the Braves half for Murphy, just given the young talent, the years of control, and just the overall archetype of how they built their team. Murphy last year finished third in war among catchers behind Real Muto and Rutschman. Um, very solid. You can see some positive regression offensively just because his expected statistics outweigh his uh, his result-based ones. Um, you know, the, the alarming thing is a 20% K percentage versus 9.2 walk percentage. So something there. And then similar, as I mentioned with Kirk, a, a low BAPIP uh, also alludes to uh, some future positive regression offensively. So there he has room to grow. And then just defensively, he's been one of the best catchers at top three overall in baseball behind the dish, blocking ball, stealing strikes. And now he's going to be very formidable Braves pitching staff where he's going to be catching Spencer Strider, who's, I think, starting to be on a quest to maybe be down the line. Um, eventually, we could see him become the best pitcher in baseball. Max <laughs> you know, yeah, we'll get, um, Kyle Wright. So certainly a, a plethora of young stars for Murphy's now going to have to deal with and, you know, pick their brains. For pitching, I think if that's going to work really well down in Atlanta. Then J.J. Romuto, you talked a lot about him. Definitely one of the best hitting catchers in the league and then providing good value on the bases. Um, Real Muto also has a fantastic arm and pop time behind the dish. Uh, someone who's certainly been a premier catcher in the league for a long time and certainly now um, showing why the Phil he's paid him the big bucks back in 2020. And Will Smith, really nothing left to be said other that you already mentioned. I'm going to have to take a big lead this year. I remember last year I said going in that I thought Will Smith could make a push to be the best catcher in baseball on uh, when I made my list last season. This season, you know, he he had a very, very good year. But just given the the career, you know, Rutschman coming up and being just as good as everyone expected, plus Ramuto and then Kirk having a breakout year, just all ends to uh, kind of Will Smith actually falling down on my list despite having a very excellent season last year. Um, then going down to my number six, I have Paul Raleigh. Raleigh had a, a very good offensive season last year um, among catchers. Uh, he had, you know, uh, you know, he was part of a Mariners team that broke the uh, the playoff curse. Had twenty, almost twenty, uh, almost thirty home runs. He had uh, twenty seven overall, one twenty OPS and one twenty one WRC plus. A full over a four WAR. There's a very very solid catching option, and he also, you know, I mentioned had the four WAR. Um, while only playing 120, 119 games. So we could see him maybe take an increase in workload and uh, increase that overall production. Fangraphs projects him to be the uh, a top 10 catcher, as I mentioned, but not as good as this past season. So it's something to look at there. Um, Raleigh, you know, he's a very good option for the Mariners. I remember seeing the stat last year that he led American League catchers in home runs. A very, very cherry-picked foot. Nonetheless, just showing the overall offensive success he had um you know he he's projected to have some regression but i think still is going to be a very good player um and they's no so only expected to increase his workload by just three games 
So we'll see how that goes in terms of how the Mariners want to play. You know, we just don't see guys catching the 140 um, like we used to. So maybe Riley, if he can get up to a one, like 130, 135 games, he's going to take a huge, huge leap forward. Um, and then uh, just behind him, I have Contreras and Alvarez, my bat only guys before, as I mentioned, the uh, the, the glove only. Um, those guys, I think, offensively are more comparable than you think. Going to be about like 20% better than the league. League average, maybe, you know, good amount of strikeouts, a uh, decent amount of walks, and good overall uh, contact uh, contact base. So just those, you know, are going to be a strong foundation for their offensive gameplay in the next season. I think the Mets fans, first off, when you just said that, the Contreras is a name they've been pining for for years now at this point. So if you're guaranteeing us that Wilson Contreras and Francisco Alvarez are going to be pretty similar players, I think we would sign up for that right now. One thing I would like to add on Wilson Contreras, I know we have a lot of Cubs fan listeners, so shout out to all of you guys. and Definitely a sore subject to hear Wilson Contreras doing really high on our list in comparison to whoever the Cubs are going to be starting a catcher, whether that's Jan Gomes or to be determined trade slash free agent signing. Wilson Contreras has the exact opposite of the Will Smith effect that I just mentioned earlier in that Wilson Contreras is now entering a lineup where there's Paul Goldschmidt, where there's Nolan Arenado, Tommy Edmond, Brendan Donovan. So Wilson Contreras is not going to have to carry the load, which means he's going to be hitting behind Goldschmidt, Arenado, and all those guys, which means he's going to be getting more pitches than he's seen in the past. I know especially this past season with the Cubs, he was the guy behind maybe Ian Happ. Now Contreras just has to be a role player. He just has to do his thing. He's going to get to DH. They still have a young catching prospect in Andrew Kaisner who's going to get some opportunities. So I really like the fit for Contreras. I know Contreras even mentioned Heidegger's Cubs fans. And he's like, ever since the end of September when I was live watching Albert Pujols' home run, I knew that St. Louis was the place I wanted to be the rest of my career. Just yikes if you're a Cubs fan and hearing that. But I think Wilson Contreras is in a perfect environment for him to do well, and that's why he remains as high on my list as number four. Moving down the rest of my list, I have guys like Tyler Stevenson, Kyle Raleigh, and William Contreras. And I know the phrase is always that chicks dig the long ball. Well, it turns out that Dylan also digs the long ball when he's making his top 10 list because all three of these guys are premier slugging catchers at the position. Whether you have William Contreras in his rookie season last year when he had 300 at-bats at 20 homers, multiply that by two because now he's going to be the everyday DH slash catcher for the Brewers, puts him around 600 at-bats for the season, and that's a 40-homer campaign, which is something that is elite for a catcher position that doesn't have that much offense. Speaking of 40-homer seasons, Remember that we're just a season removed from Salvador Perez in 2021, hitting 48, and I repeat that, 48 home runs and leading the American League. I think Salvador Perez, well, yes, he was injured, and he missed time this season, and his production went down. I think that's why he had a noticeable drop on my list down to number seven, but to remove him entirely from your list is a little crazy, especially considering... Uh, the Royals are doing a great job of load managing with him. They have another catcher in MJ Melendez, who's now going to catch some games as well, which means Salvi can not have to catch 150 games like he has in the past, and he can be a DH as well, which I think will only help Salvi's bat even further. So while, yes, Perez is not as dynamic as the young Rushman, Will Smith, Wilson Contreras, and all that stuff, I think Salvador Perez is still a very good catcher in this game, whether it's as a DH. I think Alvarez... Uh, Francisco Alvarez and Salvador Perez could be a good comparison is that not great defensively guys I know Salvador Perez won a couple gold gloves he's a five-time gold glove winner even though he's not known really for his defense he's known more for his power especially now as he's getting older as a player 
Mahrez is sort of one of those young or one of those old veteran leaders that I do want to acknowledge and point out at the bottom of my list, as well as guys like uh, William Contreras, Alejandro Kirk, and then you mentioned Jose Trevino and Jonah Heim at the bottom of your list. If you want to get into sort of how those guys made it, as well as we're then going to get into, thank you again to all of our listeners who submitted lists to us, whether that was on Twitter or on Instagram or reaching out to us to via email sideretiredpod at gmail.com or our Twitter handle at sideretiredpod. Submit your list to us for each position going forward if you want them to be featured in our sort of hot takes or not segment that we're going to do based on all the lists that were sent to us. We're going to call out sort of person X said this and then we're going to react the two of us, Jack and I, as well as James when he's on with us to say whether we think that that take is valid or not. But Jack, do you want to tell us quickly why you thought Trevino and Jonah Heim deserved to be on this list before we get into the hot take section. Oh, yeah, I mentioned just their overall defensive prowess. Trevino, the platinum glove winner, had 17 framing runs this past year. The next highest was Heim at 12. Um, just overall an elite defensive season for Trevino. He caught a Yankee staff that was actually underrated this past season, and now they just got exponentially better by adding Carlos Ordon and losing Jamison Tyone. Um, just, you know, defensive master classes for both of them, um, the, you know, the premier defenders at the catcher position. And it was, uh, you know, more so than anywhere else on the diamond, catcher defense matters in ex- exceptionally. You know, you're involved in every single pitch, whether it's calling it or just then receiving it. Um, it's It cannot be overstated how valuable it is to have a defensive catcher, which is why we see guys get deployed like Trevino, Heim. Trevino, you know, while he had, you know, the, the all-star first half, Second half, he really fell off, and he kind of regressed to what he is as an average um, catcher offensively, which is you know, below the league average by about like ten percent. So it just shows you that why teams value this, like uh, guys like this. And then just to go back with Salvador Perez, because I did include him not off my list, as you mentioned. You know, Perez with this past season and for the, the entirety of his career has been one of, if not the worst defenders in all of baseball. And then his offense, just because he does hit the long ball, but nothing else. He doesn't walk. He doesn't get on base on a high clip. He doesn't hit for a high average. You know, he just he goes. It's a one-hit wonder. He hit over 40 home runs in 2021. This past year, he still had he had 30. And regardless of that, he was still, you know, he did was not a uh, you know, a very good offensive player. Um, he's projected now to be slightly better than league average. And when you look at someone, you know, who's kind of like Brady Wilson Contreras or um Francisco Alvarez this past year Alvarez was nearly 40 points better than average and then projects to be about 20 next year that's the same for Francisco Alvarez while as um you know uh Salvador Perez is, is barely like nine points better than league average so it just shows why these guys you know the overall and encompassing offensive repertoire rather than just the ability to hit the long ball and nothing else doesn't always bode as a successful offensive game plan Alrighty, so we will now get into and thank you again to our Twitter and Instagram followers who sent us predictions or sort of what they called their top 10 lists. We're going to now take a little bit of the samples out of all those. Jack, you're going to say if you buy this take or if you sell this take. I know buy or sell has definitely not been done. If we want to bring back the old fashioned side retired yay or nay, I am game for that as well. The first one comes from our contributor, Matt Potter, who said Yasmani Grandal is still the number three catcher in baseball. I'm going to sell just because we talked about it. Um, I think he has maybe the the prowess and the uh, the potential to get back to being a, a positive and exceptional offensive catcher, but that's not going to warrant being number three ahead of Kirk, Rutschman, Murphy, Romuto, Smith. I see all those guys 
already is better, and that would put him bare minimum at six. In addition to several, um, Contreras, Alvarez, Trevino, just those guys are overall, um, you know, they have better, with the exception of Trevino and Haim, I would say everyone else on my list has the a better offensive ceiling and floor, and then um, coupled with um, stronger defense from some, several of those guys. Co-host James Taustig says Jacob Stallings is a top 10 catcher, having him at number nine on his list. I'm going to sell that as well, just because, you know, we mentioned, we talked about several guys. Stallings this past year got traded um, from the Pirates to the Marlins, was 30 points below league average offensively, and for his career is 20 points below average, so there's no indication of him improving. Um, both of his expected and result stats were terrible. He was a negative defensive player, a negative offensive player, a negative base runner. There's really nothing there that's left to be desired. In addition to he only played 114 games, which is, you know, the catchers normally, as we mentioned, play low games, uh, low amount of games. But still, despite that, he had zero um, productivity and he was on a Marlins staff that had several, several excellent pitchers. So the fact that he ranked so poorly defensively is kind of shocking, especially in terms of like stealing strikes. Um, is quite alarming and to include him better than anyone on this list. I would say, you know, Stallings off my top of my head. I don't think I include him on like my top 15, maybe not even top 20 catchers in baseball. The former mystery man who still, if you have not checked out the YouTube, David Halford cranking out birthday video shout out says that Adley Rushman is not a top 10 catcher in baseball. I think this just goes like the farce that I talked about in terms of underrated rookies. You know, people don't, you know, the rookies provide can exceptional production. You know, look at Julio Rodriguez this past year. I'm, I assume when we get to center fielder, it's going to be the same story. Julio Rodriguez is an exceptional player, but you can make an argument he's a top 10 player in all of baseball. Just looking at everything he does with, the, you know, a plus-plus stealer, excellent speed, you know, excellent defensively in center field, and a overall very good bat after adjusting in the major leagues. People are still going to undervalue just because of a lack of major league service time. Whereas now we have, you know, we have, we're better equipped with data. We're not no longer using a triple crown of just three statistics and that really, and all three of those have lost their prominence in the game. We still have, you know, we have infinite levels of um, batted ball data and pitch by pitch selection data from the minor league. So we can value these guys that we know, and, you know, we can predict and estimate how they're going to perform at the major league level. Um, Adley Brushman did not just, um, you know, play part of the course for his projections, but he far exceeded them which is why he's currently predicted to be the number one. And to just simply say out of spite and um, not like history and just like axioms being like, nope, I'm not going to include a guy in the top 10, let alone top one, just because of a lack of service time. I just think it's something that needs to go. And we've seen teams adjust and which is why several of these young stars get locked up so young because they can already recognize and see the star ability and they want to get them paid at a discount rather than have to wait six years for them to accumulate more value and just exponentially increase any dollar worth that they have. This one comes from Instagram follower Rowan. He says, Jose Trevino is the number six catcher in baseball following the big five of Adley, Real Muto, Will Smith, Kirk, and Sean Murphy. Sorry, did you say that again? He says that Trevino is the number six catcher in baseball behind the big five of Adley, Real Muto, Will Smith, Kirk, and Sean Murphy. So I had those same top five. I would just not, I'd be hesitant to include Trevino just because as we mentioned, a lack of a bat. Um, while he is, you know, he's the best defensive catcher on any list that's being featured tonight. Um, just the, the overall lack of offense, you know, um, you know, while Rushman, um, Kirk, Murphy, uh, Romuto, Smith are not as good defenders as him, they're much better defensively than Trevino is offensively, just shows why 
you know, their top five, and I have him as number nine, um, you know, bottom top ten. You, I think you can include him higher, but I, I would be more hesitant to include him over a guy like Raleigh or Contreras just because those guys do have, um, you know, much more of an offensive game plan. And even I think the overall, um, you know, uh, calculus for baseball is if you have a guy who's equally um, excellent at hitting and bad at fielding versus the guy who's equally good at fielding, and bad at hitting, you'd rather have the offensive guy. I think that's just an overall understanding of the game, which is why I included Trevino. If you want to bump up, up, up a couple spots, maybe can take overtake Alvarez. Maybe maybe Contreras, I would be harder, but I think that so far is probably the closest take, but still I would be hesitant to include him over a guy like Kyle Raleigh. Also shout out for our Twitter followers at AlScott1998, as well as let's go with... Um, at W65CMP and at BananaButt7907. Both had three really solid lists, as you can listen to our episode so far. We basically covered all the guys in your list, but want to appreciate you guys for, as well as at Phillies Jaden. If you want to listen to this full episode, earlier in the episode, we talked about your list and all of the great players that you guys mentioned. Another one I do want to shout out because he had two players on it that we did not mention, which is Russ, one of our Twitter followers, said that Kiebert Ruiz and MJ Melendez both belong in the top 10 list. He had Kiebert at number eight and he had Melendez at number nine. These are two interesting takes because I think these players, if you're basing it off of 2022 alone, probably are not top 10 players. However, these two guys, especially Kiebert Ruiz, who is the key piece in that Max Scherzer, Trey Turner trade, I know the Nationals are expecting him to be a top 10 catcher in baseball, but is there anything we'll do keep it Reese specifically because we did touch on Melendez earlier when talking about Salvador Perez. Is there anything as you look at the numbers that could say why Kiebert Ruiz is a top 10 catcher in baseball going forward? I think he's interesting. He currently projects as with number 12 by Fangrass for next season, and that includes um, Dalton Varsho as a catcher who we excluded from our list just because he's believed to be moved via trade and just because the Diamondbacks do have Carson Kelly, so it seems like um, we wanted to include uh, him as a center fielder. That being said, there's currently 12 catchers who are projected a higher war than Kieber. Um, you know, in 115 games, Fangraphs has him with a 112 WRC plus as a, a plus grade defender, um, a excellent defender, you know, a, uh, a average, and then uh, slightly below um, base runner. So, uh, you know, there's definitely stuff there. I think just looking at his prospects report and how highly the dump, the Dodgers and the Nationals valued him. Uh, there's certainly, I think there's a world out there where he does find that top 10 potential that people uh, see for him, um, whether or not that makes the trade of giving away Trey Turner and Max Scherzer worth it. I think National fans are hoping for possibly better from Kieber just because they gave up such a huge, huge return for him. Um, you know, I, so it's interesting to see how him, Josiah Gray, after being kind of underwhelming in their start with, with Washington, will uh, rebound now in their second full year there. And the very last one that we got at Stride Goat, regular Braves fan, said that Travis Darno is his number six catcher. The only question I have with Darno and his individual, and I'll answer this one, his individual performance could definitely be top 10 warranted. The only question is now that Sean Murphy is in Atlanta, how much playing time will Darno get? He could become their regular full-time DH, which does diminish his value, although he is not a great defensive catcher to begin with however if you're going to transition darno over to a top 10 or to a full-time dh i don't know whether his bat is good enough alone to be a top 10 catcher in baseball but i do not mind darno in a top 10 list at all especially considering if you're going just based off the 2022 production darno is a really solid catcher especially if he's probably going to get regular at bats 
at DH. I don't mind this at all. I know neither of us had Darno in our top 10. He would probably be around 12 to 16 on mine, but especially also given your Twitter handle name at StrideGoat, definitely because of Spencer Strider. Not saying there's some Atlanta bias in there, but wink, wink, nod, nod. There seems to be some Atlanta bias in there, but again, not the most outrageous thing in the world to have Travis Darno as a top 10 catcher in baseball. So again, thanks to David, James, David, or David, James, uh, Matt, as well as Instagram and Twitter followers, Rowan, StrideGoat, Al Scott, uh, 10 of the tree said that Cal Raleigh is a top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine catcher in baseball. And then listed Wilson Contreras as his number 10 to Russ, to Jaden, uh, to at banana, but seven, nine, Oh seven and at W six, five CMP. So of course this is our catcher breakdown. We'll be back next Monday with our first baseman breakdown, but as well before then we'll have two new episodes, including a full fledged interview with a BBWAA writer who's going to reveal his Hall of Fame ballot with us and take us through what his process was in determining the nine guys that he voted for were. So definitely look forward to that episode as well as some instant reactions if and when a future trade occurs. All right, Jack, there's our first position breakdown for the year. Anything you want to say before we go? I think uh, we're going to be getting into a very heated series. I think this is one of, you know, I made a lockout last year. This is a few baseball talk and different news we had. So certainly going to be a much different series this year as we'll still have baseball news incoming as we go about it, but definitely in for a long series where it's some heavy debates and evaluating some, you know, a lot of number crunching and just to see how we view and predict these guys to perform in the coming season. And of course, next week, the fun debate will be Paul Goldschmidt versus Freddie Freeman atop the first base list. So until the next time, the side is retired.